0: Yeah, might as well in case anybody else is listening okay chapter five is called a sword and a mission Leonad stood motionless at his father's grave long after the shadows had reversed their direction he clung in desperation to the memories of his father afraid that they too might fade like those of his mother though in his mind he knew that his father was gone It did not feel real. The distance of time had not yet seared that truth into his heart. As he raced through the memories of his father, he could not stop before he rushed once again into the tragedies that had occurred earlier that day. It was only then that Leonid remembered in astonishment the words his father had spoken just prior to his death. The words sounded in his mind almost as though his father were still speaking them. I love you. I have prepared you for a greater purpose. Stay true to the king. Discover the promise and beware of your brother. Broken from his trance, Leonid ran back to the ruins of the farmhouse. Tess was searching through the blackened remains and had found the scorched combs Peyton had given her. Though unusable, she held them as though they were a treasure to her. "'Tess!' he exclaimed, worried that the only one who might be able to answer his questions was gone. "'Where is Gabrick?' "'I don't know, Leonid,' she said, somewhat amazed at Leonid's sudden enthusiasm." Gabrick! Leonad called, searching the surrounding country. Gabrik peeked a nearby rise in the terrain and cantered his horse toward the farmyard. Just then, along the same ridge line but a good distance to the north, another rider appeared. His horse reared and neighed. Gabrik stopped his horse and turned to look at the rider, as did Leonad and Tess. The rider was in full battle dress, covered in armor from his neck to his feet. His presence was threatening. Leonet felt apprehensive, and his mind struggled with many questions. Was this a scout for an entire army or a lone rider? Was he hostile or friendly? With no sword or horse, Leonet could not fight or flee. How could he protect Tess if he needed to? The rider raised both of his arms into the air, then lowered them below his waist and bowed his head. Leonid saw Gabrick reply to the rider with the same gesture. Then Gabrick and the rider rode toward each other. Their exchange diffused the tension and Leonid relaxed somewhat. What is it, Leonid? Tess asked. Leonard turned to see her sweet face covered with streaks of soot, and he was reminded of the day he saw her on the streets in Mankin. It was the first time he had thought of someone other than himself since the tragedy of the morning. He was ashamed that he thought he was the only one truly hurting. "'I'm not sure, sunshine,' Leonard said. Tess smiled slightly. He addressed her with the nickname Peyton had given her. It seemed to bring her comfort, and Leonad felt it too. Thanks for saving me from the fire, Leonid. Tess, Tess wrapped her arms around his waist and squeezed him. Unsure of what to do, he gave her a quick hug back. It was uh nothing, but you're welcome, Leonid said. Tess let loose and gave Leonad some room. What we gonna do now? she asked. Leonad watched intently as Gabrik and the rider covered the remaining distance between them. I don't know, Leonad said, still focused on the distant figures. I just don't know. I know how to farm, and we've still got the land. I guess we'll continue on. Leonid suddenly became aware that he alone was responsible for Tess now. The burden of proving, uh, providing for, teaching, nurturing, and protecting another seemed so easy for his father, but the thought of it nearly panicked Leonid. Leonid saw Gabriel and the, and the rider salute each other and separate. The rider turned back north from where he came and Gabrick directed his horse toward Leonette and Tess at a pace significantly faster than earlier. When he drew near, he slowed his horse to a halt and dismounted. Leonette approached him and looked up into Gabrick's eyes, eyes he once feared, but that was no longer true. His quest for answers overpowered any inhibition he might have once felt. You heard my father's last words, and I think you know what they mean. Who are you, Gabrick? The question was simple. Leonad knew that its answer would go far beyond that of the blacksmith of mankin. Gabrick looked at Leonid. Gabrick looked at Leonid then turned to adjust some leather straps on his horse. There was an urgency in his movements that he ha- that hadn't been there earlier. The muscles rippled across his back. I am a servant, a servant of the king. I am a messenger. I am a guardian. He turned his head toward Leonid. I am a silent warrior. He finished his adjustments and turned squarely to face Leonid. I have one remaining task, and my mission here will be complete for a time. And yours will begin. My father spoke of a promise. What is the promise? Lynette asked, resolving not to let Gabriel leave him with unanswered questions. How would he stop this massive warrior from leaving? It was something he wasn't sure how to accomplish. Gabrick walked to the opposite side of his horse and removed an object. The search for the promise begins with this, Leonad. Gabrick held forth the beautiful sword and scabbard Leonad and Peyton had seen in his blacksmith shop weeks earlier. I was commissioned by the king to fashion it for you and deliver it today. The sword was Truly a work of mastery, Leonid responded with disbelief and did not feel worthy to accept it. But I, I can't, Leonid said. I am unable to. You have been chosen, Leonid. If you do not accept the sword and its mission, the restoration of a may never come. But I am a boy, Leonid thought. That's the country, the, the land. Wait, what does it say that? A tray. What was that? But I'm a boy, Leonid thought. I could not even save my father. Even with this magnificent sword, how can the king use the likes of me to bring restoration to the kingdom? Leonid found a hundred reasons to refuse the sword in its mission, but one haunting truth would not let him. The king believed in him, and so did his father. Even if he failed, how could he deny such trust and honor? Leonid stared at the sword offered to him and wondered at its beauty and purpose. He slowly lifted his hands to receive it. As the king lives, I swear to give him my life and service. Gabriel placed the sword in his hands, and Leonid secured the sword and scabbard about his waist. Strangely, it strengthened his heart, and his resolve. He looked once. He looked once again into the penetrating eyes of the silent warrior. What is the promise? And where do I find it? Gabrick shook his head. That is something I cannot answer, for I do not know. Then tell me, Gabrick, Leonette hesitated before asking his next question. Who is my brother? Gabrick paused, crossed his arms, and his gaze went to the ground. Leonid wondered what additional fabric of his life was about to be torn. We have urgent business to attend to, but you must know the answer to that question if you are to be prepared for what lies ahead. Before you were born, your mother gave birth to twin sons. Peyton raised them as he raised you. One son was a noble boy with a heart for the king. The other son, however, had a heart that would not be bridled, and his rebellious spirit directed him. His jealousy over his brother grew day by day. Your father loved them both, but all his efforts to turn the heart of the second son were met with contempt. One day, while in the fields away from your father, the second son's anger and jealousy became so great that he killed his brother. Leon had now understood the ache he had felt in his mother's heart and the sense of failure he felt from his father from time to time. This was one of those lost pieces of the puzzle that had that he had searched for regarding his own past. Yeah, the little thing Yep, sure is. What happened to the. Leonid spoke words that felt unfamiliar. To my other brother. He was banished from the region. The king ordered that he be given a wound across his forehead as punishment for his crime. He made his home in the distant land of Nod. Because of his skill with the sword, he was able to rise to a position of power and now commands a formidable army, an army of destruction. As if a veil had been removed from his eyes, Leonette instantly made the connection of his brother's identity. His name is Zane, he stated enthusiastically. Gabrick raised one eyebrow. Yes, how did you know? Leonette took Gabrick Leonad told Gabrik of his encounter with Lucius earlier that morning and also of his fight with the man named Zane the realization that he had fought and nearly killed his brother gripped leonad though zane is a blood brother of yours gabrik said make no mistake about it he is an enemy of the king and of the people of rithtree He will not hesitate to kill you or anyone else if that is what Lucius commands. Lucius will stop at nothing to disrupt the king's plan, and a man like Zane is a perfect tool. Gabriel continued to adjust the saddle and pack on his horse. Gabriel, why would a powerful warrior like Lucius need Zane to accomplish his work? Gabriel quickly set to removing his pack from his horse. The king's silent warriors are Lucius' primary concern. The people of Arethrae are largely unaware of the ferocious battle that is occurring in their land between us and Lucius and his shadow warriors. The victor of the hidden war will rule Arethrae. Just as the king had chosen you as a key part in his plan to bring victory. Lucius has chosen your brother and his men to accomplish his evil purposes overtly. Now that Lucius has eliminated your father, he will use every resource available to him, including Zane, to widen his influence in the entire kingdom. He plans to rule the Reth Trey one day, and he is a patient man. If he knows of your existence... He will seek to destroy you as well, but do not fear, Leonad. The king will be with you in ways that you will not even realize. Gabriel was nearly finished preparing his horse. Leonad, the people of Kerr are in serious danger. By order of the king, you must ride to Mankin and warn the city of an approaching disaster. You must hurry. What disaster are you speaking of, Gabrick? Gabrick stopped his preparations and became very serious. The Vactor Deluge. Leonid looked at Tess, and her puzzled look mirrored his own confusion. The Vactor Deluge is a terror, that is coming upon the land like no one has ever seen before, Gabrick said. It is an innumerable swarm of miniature creatures called Vactors. They are so small that a grouping of thousands will darken only the tip of an arrow. Individually, they are little more than a nuisance. But as a massive swarm that covers an entire countryside, they are devastating. Stop. Originating from the shores of the sea, they will devour the entire land. Any living substance, from the grass to the trees to the cattle to the people, all will be consumed. The swarm moves on the ground at a speed faster than a swift horse. Without warning, there is no escape. Had Leonette heard this from anyone other than Gabryk, he would have found it difficult to believe. But Gabriel's words were the king's words, so Leonid chose to believe. "'How can anyone survive such a terror?' he asked. "'You must get the people to high country. "'The Terra Hills mountain range "'will provide enough elevation to save them. "'The Vactors cannot survive in the heights of the mountains.'" Get yourselves and the people there, and you will live. Once the supply of food for the Vactors is exhausted, they will die, and the land will be reborn after some time has passed. Leonid silently questioned himself and his capabilities. This day is becoming a nightmare of nightmares. When will I awake? His thoughts were interrupted by Gabriel's large hand on his shoulder. The king believes in you, Leonad. Now you must believe in the king and in the confidence he has in you. It was the one and only moment of tenderness Leonad had ever seen in Gabry. He returned the affirmation with a firm nod. Gabrik quickly scanned the surrounding country. Enough talk. We may be too late already. "'Lucius stole your horses, so you must take mine. "'It is time for me to rejoin my men.' Leonid mounted the large steed, "'and Gabrick effortlessly lifted Tess onto the saddle behind him. Leonid looked down at Gabrick as he stroked the horse's mane. "'What is his name?' Leonid asked. "'Deliverance. "'Will I see you again?' He asked of the mysterious companion, who had been a friend and an unknown protector of Leonad and his father for many years. It's like um, Pete the Sock Man. Oh yeah, this kind of not crazy. Yeah, he's not. He does fight. Like completely a traumatized. And that silent warriors are like angels. Yeah, I would. I would think they're a little bit like angels too, huh? So I'm guessing this author is a Christian? Mm-hmm. Gabriel looked at Leonad but did not answer his question. For the king's honor. Then he turned and began jogging northward. Leonid turned his horse and his thoughts toward Mankin. Even if he reached them in time, what could he say that would make them believe him? Tess held Leonid's waist tightly as he pressed Deliverance into a full gallop and raced toward the unknown. As the wind blew across his face, Leonid wondered what path he should take. Deliverance instinctively knew the way to Mankin and followed it. Leonid was envious, for his course was for his course was unknown. The familiar, the familiar eh, Familiar air, I am the snoober f- stubble tuber. the familiar, f- familiar air. Can somebody say that word for me. Familiar air. Itty. Familiarity. Familiarity. Why can't I stop? The familiarity of this farm. <laughs> Quickly, I'll be fr- frugal, snuggle. <laughs>
1: The familiarity the famili- the familiarness of, his <laughs> of
0: his farm quickly fell behind, and so did the life he once knew. Though his heart ached for what once was, in the depths of his soul, he knew he would never be able to return. Mm. <laughs> Chapter 6. Mm-mm. Let Them Hear. Let them hear ya. And Sonia, we are 41% through the book. This is chapter 6. Yeah, it only has 14 chapters. What? Let Them Hear Leonette and Tess made the ride to Mankin in record time, but still arrived late in the afternoon. The town was in the midst of a wedding celebration complete with music, dancing, and much drinking but a terrifying storm was building and no one could see it. At the cursing of many, Leonid did not slow his horse until he reached the town square. He quickly dismounted and left Tess with deliverance as he ran a few paces across the square platform to the bell tower and pulled the rope twice to signal a town meeting. He knew that he would lose time if the townspeople retreated to their homes under a full alarm. It would be necessary to convince them of the severity of the impending disaster. When the music stopped, the celebration quickly diminished. The town prefect emerged from the courtyard of his manor house, which was near the edge of the town square, where the celebration seemed to be centered. As the prefect made his way to the bell tower, it was clear that he was extremely annoyed. A few of the prominent men of Mankin accompanied him. As they neared the bell tower and saw that the alarmist was a boy, their demeanor changed from annoyance to anger. Many of the people were already gathering at the platform where all the meetings were held. What is the meaning of this boy? The prefect barked. I am the only one in Mankin that can call a town meeting. Prefect, I am Leonid, Peyton's son. I was sent by the king to warn you of of a disaster that is coming to destroy Mankin. The prefect burst into laughter. If the king is still alive, he doesn't rule these parts. I am the authority here. And besides, there is no disaster coming that we have not already survived. Although the smell of wine was heavy on his breath, he was well in control of his faculties, much to Leonid's amazement. The people in the town, the people in the square, moved from the prefect's manor across to the bell tower. Others outside the square joined them as well. The square was filling rapidly. Please, prefect, this is there is not much time, Leonid said. "'The king has told me to warn you of the Vactor Deluge. "'It will come from the coasts and devour everything in its path. "'You must warn the people and tell them to flee to the hills "'and hide until this passes.' "'Listen here, boy,' the prefect said. "'I govern these people, and no one tells me what to do. "'I have no reason to believe anything you have said. "'And as far as the king is concerned,' If he even if he even exists, we run things our way. By now, the square was full. Leonid knew that the prefect would not listen, so he risked offending him further by addressing the people directly. People of Mankin! Leonid shouted to reach the entire crowd with his words. Seize him! The prefect shouted to his aides. Leonid knew he had but one chance. This morning my father was murdered by the Dark Knight! The approaching men in the crowd fell silent and still. It gave Leonid the opportunity he needed. However, the message he delivered was hard to speak, and the emotions began to swell within him as he thought of his father. The Dark Knight is a myth! a man shouted from the crowd. No, Leonid said. I've seen him with my own eyes. He is very real and every bit as vicious as the stories portray. Though he is evil and powerful, even he was preparing to leave this land because of the devastation that that is about to occur. Your lives and your children's lives are at stake. You must flee to the hills if you want to live. The Vactor Deluge is coming, and will devour every living thing in its path, including you. It may be approaching the city even as we speak. You must believe me! The silence that followed Leonette's urgent warning slowly became a low rumble of indistinguishable voices. The prefect stepped forward. People! People! have I ever allowed this community to be harmed in the past? No, of course not. He quickly answered his own question. How many of you have ever heard of such a thing as these Vactor creatures? He paused and scanned the crowd. That's what I thought. Well, neither have I. This morning we awoke and began celebrating a wedding. Tonight, we will continue that celebration on into tomorrow. This boy is trying to frighten you into leaving Mankin and all of your belongings behind. How do we know this is not part of a band of thieves that will rob you once you've left? Do not worry. Life will continue as it always has. Leon felt the people slipping into apathetic disbelief. "'If you do not leave the town now, you will die. "'This warning is from the king himself.' "'Leonard felt as if he were trying to warn "'a sleeping drunk of an approaching flash flood. "'How do we know it's from the king?' "'shouted another man from the crowd. "'Yeah!' exclaimed another. "'Give us proof and we will believe you.' "'Leonard hung his head, closed his eyes, and clenched his jaw in frustration. How could he possibly prove that he was a messenger of the king? The crowd began to murmur once again. He heard sporadic ridiculing laughter, and he felt like a fool. He began to question himself. Maybe this is all a big hoax after all, he thought. I haven't seen the king either. Leonid opened his eyes and saw the gallant sword with its scabbard at his side. "'I will give you a sign that what I am telling you is indeed from the king,' he said boldly. He withdrew the magnificent sword and held it high above his head, showing all the people the insignia, insignia of the king in the pommel. The crowd hushed again to silence and stared in awe at the beautiful sword. This proves nothing, the prefect shouted. We all have seen swords as splendid as this one, even among the thieves that raid us. Be gone from us, boy, and take your pretty little sword with you. Some of the crowd began to jeer at Leonad. Soon the entire mass of people had turned their backs on Leonid and the warning he carried. The sword slowly descended and came to rest limply at Leonid's side. Get out of my town, boy! The prefect glared at Leonid, then turned and proceeded back to his manor house with his consorts close behind. Let the celebration continue! he yelled, and music filled the air once again. Leonid felt as though he had disgraced himself and the king by failing to convince the people of the impending danger. Anger, frustration, and humiliation incapacitated him. He sheathed the sword and sat down on the edge of the platform with his head buried in his hands. There was no energy or desire within him to carry on. He had lost his father. He had failed the king. It was a day that was bigger than he was, and he accepted defeat in his heart. The moments passed, and the sun settled on the horizon as a flood of disaster approached. And he didn't care. Why did I even try to warn these foolish people? He said out loud to himself, Not even one of them believed me. I believe you, Leonid. The small, tender voice of Tess was accompanied by a gentle hand on his shoulder. It startled Leonid, for he thought he was alone. He turned and looked up into the face of his young friend and his only friend. Like a slap across the face, he was reminded of the responsibility that had become buried in his own self-pity. Tess, what am I doing? He explained. I've got to get you out of here. Where's Deliverance? I tied him up over yonder by the tower, she said and pointed to the bell tower. He quickly gained his feet and faced her. Good thinking, Tess. Come on. He grabbed her hand and ran into the ran to the waiting horse. The door of escape was closing quickly. He mounted the horse and then reached down to lift her onto the saddle behind him. Hang on, Tess, we've got no time to waste. Tess wrapped her arms around Leonid's waist and placed her face against his back. Leonid kicked the haunches of the horse and rode toward the rugged terrain of the Terra Hills the Terra Hills mountain range that lay southeast of Mankin. Leonid was thankful they lay in the opposite direction of the sea. On any other day, the mountains appeared to be close to the town, but today they seemed a far too distant destination. The plain that spanned the gap between the town and the mountains was flat and lush with tall grass and an occasional and an occasional grouping of trees. Leonette paced his horse just shy of a full gallop, for though they had covered half the journey, he knew the climb up the mountains would be exhausting for deliverance. Leonette, Tess said fearfully, look, she pointed back toward Mankin. The front wave of a dark and ominous mass was moving toward the city. An eerie orange mist trailing the Vactor Deluge caught the rays of the setting sun to paint an alien landscape never before seen in the kingdom. Leonet heard the fear in Tessa's voice and felt it through the embrace around his waist. He fought back the apprehension that was rising within him. There was no rescue and no escape for the people now. Leonid was amazed at the speed of the Vactor creatures. As the edge of the mass hit Mankin, the distant screams of the people beckoned to Leonid and Tess, but they did not last long. Within moments, the Vactor deluge encircled and overran what was once a celebratory town. Two or three men on horses tried to escape but it was a feeble attempt Leonid pressed deliverance into a full gallop and focused on the ground before him hurry Leonid hurry it's gaining on us Tess's voice was trembling which did not help Leonid fight back the panic that threatened to swallow him the horse beneath them seemed to feel the urgency as well and reached further with each stride The beast was sweating profusely, and Leonid wondered if there would be anything left in him once they reached the mountains. The Vactor Deluge had already covered over half the distance between Leonid and Tess, and what was once the town. Although the sun was nearly set, the remnant ambient light was bright enough for Leonid to chart their course. It also revealed the approaching darkness beneath the rising orange cloud of the Vactor Deluge. As they approached the rugged terrain of the Terra Hills, Leonet did not pause to root their ascent. He let Deliverance choose the path of least resistance. boy Deliverance, we're almost there. He patted the steed's wet hide. You know what this story reminded me of? What was the wild drinking? Remember the horse in the book at the end of the um Strays? The uh Oh the book of uh No, you know, the tales, the uh yeah, okay. sto- yes. st- yeah the Yep. The, places beyond the, the places, maps. places beyond the maps. What about the horse? Well just the horse "'Saving them. "'As they approached the rugged terrain of the Terra Hills, "'Leonad did not pause to route to root their their ascent. "'He let Deliverance choose the path of least resistance. boy, Deliverance. We're almost there.' "'He patted the steed's wet hide. "'Are we going to make it, Leonad?' Tess asked. "'We're going to make it, Tess. Just you wait and see. "'But it's moving so fast.' she exclaimed and pointed to the ferocious mass that was now three-fourths of the way across the plain. We'll make it, Leonid said to assure both of them. He urged deliverance farther into the foothills and up up the mountains, away from destruction. He wondered how high they must climb to escape the encroaching horror. The ascent seemed agonizingly slow compared to the pace they were used to crossing the plain. The Vactor Deluge reached the foothills, and the base trees disappeared beneath the black mass. Leonette focused on one large group of trees, which slowly collapsed until there was nothing. Deliverance hesitated at a steep rise in their path. The beast was nearly spent and began to stumble occasionally, but Leonid had no choice but to push him onward. Leonid figured the Vector Deluge would be upon them soon. There was little time left. Does Vector Deluge mean anything? A bizarre sound accompanied the eerie orange mist that seemed to rise from the consuming mass. It sounded to Leonid like a million twigs being stepped on at the same time. It was a sound that grew louder and louder. Leonid's mind begged for it to stop, but it would not be stopped. How high, how high must we climb? Leonid asked himself. As the Vactor approached, its speed was even more evident. The rise and terrain did not slow it like it did their horse. Deliverance stumbled and nearly fell. His panting was deep and rapid. Here it comes, Leonad. What are we going to do? Leonad kicked deliverance to climb the rise in front of them, and the powerful muscles moved them forward one more time. Up, up, up. The noise was incessant, and the rising orange mist had a sharp odor that penetrated their nostrils. The Vactor Deluge was upon them. An outcrop of rocks formed a ledge and was just a few paces before them. Leonid directed deliverance to it. Tess could not take her eyes off the enveloping dark mass as it quickly overtook them. Deliverance could go no more. Stand up and jump to the rocks, Tess, Leonid shouted. She steadied herself by holding on to Leonid's shoulders and jumped to the rock ledge above them. The Bacter creatures reached the hooves of the horse and enveloped his legs. Keep climbing, Tess, keep climbing! Jump, Leonid! Tess screamed. Deliverance neighed wildly and bit at the vicious mass moving up his body. Leonid stood and nearly fell for the shaking of the steed under its pain. So him. The horse became a moving black mass and Leonid jumped as Deliverance fell to the ground in agony. Having lost some of his momentum from the horse's fall, Leonid landed short of his target and hung on the rock ledge with his feet dangling below. Some of the Vactor creatures had reached his feet before he jumped, and Leonid felt the leather of his shoes fall away. Instantly, he felt as though his feet were on fire. The pain nearly caused him to lose his grip, but Tess reached for him. Come on, Leonhead, climb! She pulled on his arms and he swung his body up over the rock ledge. He rolled into a sitting position and his only thought was to stop the fire on his feet. They were bare and covered in the blackness of the Vactors. He fervently brushed his ankles and feet. Go, Tess, before it reaches this ledge, he shouted above the noise of the Vactor Deluge. Look at your feet. It ain't moving up your legs like it did through deliverance, she exclaimed above the noise. Leon had noticed that the black mass that was once on his feet lay on the ground in a near motionless powdery heap. Though his feet were red and tender, they were still there. Leonid stood, and Tess grabbed his arm. She was shaking, and Leonid placed his arm around her to steady her. They looked out over the ledge to find that the dark mass of the Vactor Deluge rose no higher than just a few feet below them. Leonid gazed over the once beautiful, lush countryside now blanketed with a black mass and a rising orange mist. There was nothing familiar about it now. It was a desert of unrecognizable blackness. The noise of the Vector Deluge seemed to subside slightly with each passing moment. Poor deliverance. Tess was staring down at the small mound of moving blackness below them. He was a noble steed. He delivered us, Tess. He gave his all and delivered us. So did it As Leonid scanned the horizon in the final moments of the day, he thought of the future, their future, and the kingdom's future. Who will be noble enough to deliver us from the clutches of the dark night? he wondered. Come on, Tess. I want to put a little more distance between us and the Vactors before nightfall.